the goal of the church, according to Paul, in Colossians chapter 1, he says these words, in verse 28 and 29, we proclaim him, Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose I labor. He says, my goal in ministry for the church at Colossae, the church here, the church everywhere, is to present every person complete. The word complete means mature. God's goal is your spiritual maturity, not your church attendance. If maturity is not being emphasized, if spiritual growth is being marginalized, if we become satisfied with how many folks are in the seat, regardless of their spiritual age, we have failed as a church, as a ministry, both locally and as the body of Christ. God measures the success of a ministry by the maturing process of the folks who are in that ministry. He says, I labor for maturity. Biblical words, discipleship, that process of maturation, that process of bringing you to maturity. God is after a divine reset, but he needs some mature people. He needs mature Christians, not just church attenders. Paul complains to the church at Corinth. He says, brethren. So these are Christians. He's not talking about sinners. He says, brethren. I can't speak to you as spiritual, but as men of flesh, as infants in Christ. You're still babies. He says, I want to take you somewhere, but you refuse to grow up. Let me explain a simple principle. Paul went to Corinth in approximately 50 AD. He wrote the book of Corinthians in approximately 55 AD. Say it again. He went there in about 50 AD. He wrote them this book, 1 Corinthians, in 55 AD. So that's five years. Paul says, in five years, you ought to be mature. If you are a five-year-old Christian, five years is all you need to move from spiritual infancy to a basic spiritual maturity. So carnality, let me define it for you, is that spiritual state where a Christian knowingly and persistently lives to please self rather than to please Christ. It is that persistent state where you knowingly, willingly persist to please self over pleasing Christ. In other words, living for Christ, glorifying Christ, representing Christ is not your goal. And you want him to take care of you. But pleasing him is not your goal. That makes you fleshly. Chapter 2, he says, but a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of 
God for their foolishness unto him, and they cannot understand them because they're spiritually appraised. A natural person can't understand spiritual things because they're non-Christians. But he says a common Christian, they're a Christian, but they like a natural man. They're on their way to heaven, but they don't understand spiritual things on earth. They don't have this spiritual perspective on life. They have a human perspective on life. That's carnality. Because of a refusal to grow. So let me say it again. If you've been saved five years or more, and you are not spiritual, where you look at life through God's lens, as a normal way you operate, then you are a spiritual infant, a fleshly believer who is missing out on spiritual experience because you're not operating that way. I'm not operating that way. Not only can we have carnal Christians, we can have carnal Christians and carnal churches because the church is not operating that way. Their goal isn't maturity, their goal may be entertainment. Goal may be money, their goal may be notoriety, but the goal of maturity is not the goal. And if that's not the goal, you're not a serious Christian and we're not a serious church. Well, let's take this a little deeper, shall we? Hebrews chapter 5. in verse 11 concerning him. We'll talk about that in a moment. He's talking about Melchizedek. We have much to say. It is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Let me pause right there. The book of Hebrews was written some 30 years after Jesus died and rose. Some of these Christians have been saved for 30 years. These Christians have been saved 30 years, and he said, Y'all still don't hear. The Greek word don't hearing means mule headed. Mule headed. Stubborn. Let's go a little deeper. He says, For though by this time, somebody say time. You get the point? You've been saved long enough. Well, it's not to have to go through all this. By this time, you ought to be teachers. So you've been saved long enough to help somebody else. You can't even help yourself. He says, but you have need again for somebody to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. Now who gets milk all the time? A baby? You get milk, a baby feeds on milk because it's an infant. He said, not only can you not teach, we need to take you back to the ABCs. He calls them elementary principles. C, spot, run. And B is for boy. We need to take you back to spiritual kindergarten because you've refused to grow spiritually. 
He goes on and he says, everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. He is an infant. But solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. There's a lot to unpack here. He says, the problem with infants, the immature, the folks that God can't use so he can't reset what he wants to do in history. He says, everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. Says, here's what keeps you a baby. You haven't gotten used to use the word of God to address the issues of life. A baby won't grow just by watching mama have milk. They've got to use it, ingest it for growth to occur. Says the thing that keeps you a baby is you don't use the word of righteousness. And he says, solid food is for the mature. For the people who have their senses trained. Notice that, their senses trained. The proof of maturity, here it is, here it is, here it is, is your ability to discern, he says. Your ability to discern. That is, your ability to look at things through spiritual eyes, not just through physical eyes. It makes this difference between milk and meat. Or milk and what it calls salad food. Milk. principles of the word of God. Meat, he says, you have the ability to deserve. Look, you're not a meat Christian because you carry a Bible. You're not a meat Christian because you can quote verses. You're not a meat Christian because you go to church. You're a meat Christian because your spiritual antenna can deserve things. Spiritually, without the ability to discern, it doesn't matter how many small groups, Bible studies, church attendance you take. It is the choices that determine whether you're spiritual or not. Let me help you to grab the difference between milk and meat. Here's milk. Milk is what Jesus taught on earth. And what Jesus did on earth, that's recorded in the Bible. So here it is. You're a milk Christian simply by learning what God says. Okay? You can, you can read the Bible, study the Bible, and that gives you milk. That gives you milk. A meat Christian doesn't just know what it says. Uses what it says for, to make decisions. 
operating from a heavenly perspective because you're operating on me. You, you, you got stake. Solid food. You study the Bible to get the content. You operate spiritually to utilize the content. When you're operating spiritually based on the milk, you gravitate to the meat or to the solid food because the Bible tells you what Jesus did and said on earth. The meat means you're operating from what he's doing now in heaven. And I'll show you that in a moment. So it is your roots. So let me tell you how God helps you out. God likes to help us out. Notice, the milk Christian, verse 13, is not accustomed to the use of the word. They're an infant. They don't, they don't know. They can't, they can't choose. Solid food is for the mature, the spiritual perspective. It's for the mature, who because of practice, have their senses trained. Ah, here we go. Football team goes to the training room. When a football team goes to the training room, they go through the playbook. They go to the playbook to learn the plays. They're in this room, classroom. There's a defensive room, there's an offensive room. There's some breaks out of them to learn the particular plays. Right now, you're in the training room to learn the plays. But then they go to the practice field. On the practice field, they practice the plays they learned in class. That's where they hit me tackling. You can talk about hitting and tackling when you're not being hit or tackled. But once you're being hit or tackled, then we know whether you know the play. But the only way we know that you know the play is on the field. So what God does for you to see whether you really understand the play you understand they meant to, is put you on the field of life where you have to make decisions. And when he puts you on the field of life through trials and troubles and difficulties and challenges, do you run to God's word? Do you run to God's perspective? Do you act on what he says? Or do you go to the human way of doing it? The secular way of doing it? The non-Christian way of doing it? Then God says, you didn't learn to play because you're not accustomed to using the word. He said, you're going to have to use this in your decision-making on a daily basis. You as a family, you're going to have to say, how does God say you should raise this year in this country? How does God say I'm going to be the husband? How does God say you're going to be the wife? How does God say I'm going to operate the work? How does God say I'm to operate in the secular uh, 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 environment? Or what does God say? And it ought to be the first question, not the one you run to after you tried everything else. He says it's time to grow up and become mature. You've been infants too long, and the church in America has been an infant church. Mega churches and all. What will happen if you decide to be the church? Which is the use, not only the knowledge of the world. First thing that happens is that you'll now be able to pick up on spiritual signals. You won't need rabbit ears because you'll have direct TV. You'll need rabbit ears when you have direct TV because there's something up in the sky that's sending you a signal. You'll be able to pick up the Holy Spirit and be able to bring God's thoughts to your mind. 
some may not be ready to hear it because it's a big deal. Back up in verse 5, he says, so also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest, but he who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you, just as he says also in another passage, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Verse 10. Being designated by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. He says, I want to tell you about the Melchizedekian priesthood. I want to talk to you about that, but you all already And I want to tell you that Jesus Christ is after the order of Melchizedek. Now to understand what Jesus is to you today, he says, if you understand now Melchizedek, it'll help you to understand who Jesus is today because Jesus is a high priest like Melchizedek was. So who is Melchizedek and why does it matter? Genesis chapter 14. How the New Testament takes the Old Testament and brings its relevancy to us today through the person of Jesus Christ. In Genesis chapter 14, Abraham has been involved in a battle, in a fight. He's come back from a battle. Verse 17 of Genesis 14. 
He comes back from this battle in verse 18 says, And Melchizedek, King of Sailors, brought out bread and wine. Uh oh, uh oh, uh oh, bread and wine. That's all I can eat. He brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God Most High. Let's say that. God Most High is El Elyon. El Elyon means the God who overwhelms. Now, Kepidak is a high priest and of the most high God, but he's also a king of Salem. Salem is Jerusalem, Salem, that is He is a king and he blessed him and said, Bless be Abram of God most high. Okay, what did Melchizedek do? He blessed Abraham. So now Kedidah is the priest who brings blessings to Abraham. Now guess what the Bible says? You and I are the seed of Abraham. Because we, 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 we in a little tall cotton. He says, bless to Abraham, uh, the God of heaven, most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Jesus Christ, all authorities be given to me. Okay? And bless be the God most high. Who has delivered your enemies into your hands? He that is Abraham gave him a tenth of all, a tithe of all. So let me summarize, because there's so much here. Abraham has been in a fight. He's been in a battle. You can read it in the preceding verses. And the God Most High has given him victory. But he's been in a fight. When he comes back, he meets Melchizedek, a high priest, coming out of a fight. Melchizedek blesses him, gives him bread and wine, because he's been in a fight. You will see in the following verse, he's going to go into another fight with the king of Sodom. So he left one fight, he's going to another fight. Between the two fights, he runs into Melchizedek, the high priest. Melchizedek blesses him, gives him bread and wine to strengthen him. Come again, we're going to another fight. If you are serious Christian, I mean last week you were in a fight. See, if you're not a serious Christian, you ain't in no fight. Because nobody rejecting you, nobody's against you. You just going along with the crowd. But if you're going to stand up for Jesus Christ, you're going you to run into some fights. Sometimes in your family, sometimes in your marriage, you're going to run into some stuff. And sometimes that can make you weary. That was last week. But now this week, you got a fight coming up you don't even know about yet. It's not because you're looking for a fight, trying to find a fight, trying to be in a fight. It's just because the world is against you. So between last week's fight and this week's fight, you need some bread and wine. You need to be refreshed, empowered, strengthened with the blessing of God to help you deal with what it looks like when you're a mature Christian. Says, I want to tell you about Melchizedek. Why? Because Jesus is after the order of Melchizedek. How? Because he brings to us the 
belief for spiritual living in the fight of a secular society by the bread and wine of his communion with us so that we can go and fight and watch him overrule. Watch El Elyon make the final decision. The reason why you want to be a mature side safe is because that means your circumstances don't have the final decision. Your boss doesn't have the final decision. The situation in the culture doesn't have the final decision because you belong to the mature saints of God under the priesthood of Christ who's after the order of Melchizedek who can meet you in the battles of life. Somebody ought to be wanting to be a mature Christian so that all that God can give and wants to give, you're able to receive. So you're going to battle if you're going to be a mature Christian because you're going to be living by divine insight and not secular.